0: Hey everybody, I'm Sean Rosensteel, author of the School of Intentional Living and host of Authorized, where authors go live to reveal their insights, stories, and best lessons from their most recent works. Thanks so much for listening and enjoy this week's episode. Hey everybody, welcome to today's show. I'm so excited to have with us here today, Jonna Rowe, author of Burned my journey through addiction. Jonna, welcome to the show today.
1: Thank you so much, Sean. It's a pleasure to be here today.
0: Awesome. Hey, you know, I have the Kindle version of your book. Do you have a hard copy you can show the audience here today for us? I
1: actually do, so there there it is.
0: There it is. Awesome, awesome. You know, Jonna, one of the things that I found so interesting about this book is, you know, you came face to face with your addiction and I really am so Impressed with how you wrote this book, this book, because you were so honest with the reader and you were so genuine and authentic and vulnerable. So uh, I give you so much credit for that. Tell us a little bit about how this book came to be.
1: That's a really good question, Sean. The book um, came to be because I was going through treatments and I had started going to schools, talking to students about, you know, tanning, addiction, and skin cancer, the things I know the best. And I have a full-time job and I wasn't able to speak to as many schools as I wanted to. So I had this idea, hey, in order to reach more people, what can I do? So I thought I need to write a book. Um, Writing the book not only healed me, but it also enables me to help others. And that's what my goal for writing the book was and still is.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So tell us a little bit about this addiction, because you know when I when I think about addiction, when I think about my own struggles, as far as you know, for me it was abusing alcohol and it was um, a severe addiction to tobacco for like fifteen years. So a lot of us think about drugs or sex, right, and things of that nature. Your addiction is so fascinating and so unique. So tell us a little bit about that.
1: Well, my I had a tanning addiction and. It started at the age of 10. Um, I didn't have a really good childhood, and it was a way for me as a kid to escape. Um, My goal was to be somebody other than me. And by tanning, it made me look different. It made me feel different. I felt more confident. Mm. And it just gradually took over my life and became a full-blown addiction by the time I was in my early 20s. Wow.
0: Wow. Wow yeah and you talked a lot about self-worth yes in the book so yes. where were you then? where are you now on the other side of all this adversity? I mean what what are your thoughts about this idea of self-worth right?
1: Yeah so self you know self-worth self-image, you know self-respect um, you know I struggled with all that as as a kid you know as you know as most people do um, you know I had some traumatic events happen to me. Um, I didn't have any support system. So I kind of, this was a coping skill for me. You know, over the years, especially since I've been, you know, dealing with um, treatments and surgeries over the last, you know, nine years, um, you know, I've developed a different self-worth. You know, self-image is a big thing that girls, especially, I'm not saying that guys don't struggle with it too, but I just, um, I know many people struggle with self-image, you know, self-worth. Um, I I like to think that I'm a work in progress. You know, I'm not exactly where I want to be um, yet, but every single day, you know, I take just another, you know, step in the right direction. And it's, you know, it's a lifelong goal for me. It's not something that's easily attainable, but it's definitely within reach.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about um, what you experienced with your skin cancer, right? Because, you know, there was one part of the book that really haunted me. (laughs) <laughs> and that was the part about the torture room, as you right. call it, right? right. That so is. Can you share with us some of your experiences in, you know, learning about the fact that you had skin cancer, being diagnosed with that, and some of the treatments that you've you've gone through over the past what nine years you mentioned?
1: Yeah, since 2011, since, you know, yeah, so it's been nine years. Um, you know, some I, I've learned, you know, so much through the years. Um, I have a skin condition because of all the tanning that I, that I did. It's called, um, it's pre-skin cancer, but it's called actinic keratosis. And so what I do for that um, diagnosis is I use this chemotherapy cream on my skin. And what it does is it burns my skin if there's pre-skin cancer, there. Um, I use the cream pretty much every day. You know, I've used it on my face, my hands, my arms, my legs are really bad right now, my back, my chest, you name it, I've used it. Um, And it's so ironic to me that the thing that I like to do was to burn my skin to feel better. And now the treatment that I use or that I have to do to save myself and to you know heal my skin as best as I can is to burn it Um, there's freezing treatments. It's the same thing as if you had a wart, you know, but usually, you know, the warts are usually on like this side of your hand. Um, all of my damage is on the outside of my skin. So instead of like burning or freezing a wart on that side, everything's done on the outside of your skin. Again, I've had things frozen, you know, everywhere, you know, the same things, you know, face, arms, hands, my hands and my face are the worst, um. And then the, the torture room, um, that one, I've, I've done that treatment three times. And that's, it's for pre-skin cancer, but they only do the treatment um, for this on your face. And it's called photodynamic therapy or PDT is what it's called. Um, and, you know, like I said in the book, the first time I did it, I wasn't afraid. Somebody told me that it was like a tanning bed I had a tanning addiction so really? I was All right. I know I was like so I mean I was so excited when I went there the first time I was like wow I told the nurse I cannot wait for this treatment finally you're giving me something I like. Um I so was thinking
0: who is this
1: lady? I know. <laughs> <laughs> I was clueless and you know what I didn't look the information <laughs> up. I think part of me was in denial, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean I'd already gone through like using the cream and I hated that and I just thought wow they're going to give me something to keep motivating me to want to you know, take care of my skin. Well, it wasn't like that at all. Uh, they, you know, you go into the doctor's office and the nurse, you know, puts you back in the chair. She takes out this, you know, it's medicine. And it looks like I say in the books, like a glue stick and they put it, they just rub it all over your face. And especially for me and for most people round your nose, you know, because I have precancerous spots all over my face. And then they put you in a dark room for an hour and 10 minutes. And it's not a big deal. You know, I mean, there's like a little tiny bit of light so you can read a book. You know, I had my husband go with me the first time and I just sat there. The worst thing that happened during that hour and 10 minutes was, you know, your face gets a little tight because of that medicine that they put on. Then after that, the nurse you know, came to get me and she said, are you ready? And I said, I have been looking forward to this. Yes, I'm ready. So I left, you know, said goodbye to my husband, went, followed her to this room and as soon as we got in the room, I saw this big contraption and it was like a tri, you know, a tri fold, um, like mirror kind of a thing. Um, and she told me to go over to the, you know, to the sink, wash my face, which I did, pull up my hair. She gave me some goggles and I sat down in this chair. And then she moved this contraption like right in front of me. So no matter where you turned, that, contra- you know, that machine was right there. Mm-hmm. And before she left, she gave me two things. She said, I'm going to give you, A spray bottle because I couldn't see her at that time and she goes I'm gonna give you a little fan and I told her straight out I said hey I go you don't know me I go hey I had a tanning addiction I won't need these and she said whatever you do don't put them down and as soon as she left that room and turned on that blue light I have never in my life felt that much pain it was I honestly thought the first time um, that I did it that I was going to die in that room I didn't think that I would be able to survive. The pain was unbearable. Um, I was screaming. I mean, screaming for someone to save me. I was so afraid because I was all alone. Um, Right. You know, and when the nurse came back, you know, she didn't know what was wrong with me. And I told her, I said, I think I'm dying. You know, I'm sorry. I understand what I did. It finally hit me when I was in that room, exactly what I had done to myself. Wow. Uh, You know, and paying people, you know, to... Not to hurt me, I don't want to say it the wrong way, but you know, I had I mean it was a consequence of my actions and it wasn't something that I ever wanted to go through again. I've done it, you know, three times altogether. Um I never go in there alone anymore because you know, it was so fearful the first time that, you know, and now when I go, I mean the second and the third time, you know, I've had really positive people, you know, give me uplifting music to listen to. I've had my daughter with me. Um, the nurse stayed with me the second time, you know, just talk to me just so that you take your focus off of the pain. You can't get rid of the pain, but at least your focus isn't on that, you know, cause you're spraying, you're fanning. I mean, it's, you know, it's like you're multitasking, you know, behind that, you know, behind that um, machine, right. but wow, you know, it's made me appreciate you know, I mean, I, I just appreciate life so much more, you know, now than I ever did before. And it's with struggles. It's with, you know, barriers. I mean, this, none of this is like fun things that I have to go through, but it's my journey and I have to accept it. And by accepting it, I can overcome it. Sure, and I yeah. can look it in the face and, you know, I, I don't I try not to let it overpower me. I mean there's, you know, cer- certain certain circumstances where, you know, you get told a diagnosis or you get told something where, you know, it can bring you momentarily down, but I don't stay there anymore. You know, I have a reason by speaking, by you know, writing this book, you know, to use my pain to offer hope to someone else.
0: Yeah. I, I love how, I think it was towards the, the like maybe even the introduction to your book, how you said, I am not a victim. I am the victor.
1: Yes. I, I believe that, that wholeheartedly.
0: That. So the torture room. Yes. One more thing. I have a question about that. Cause you said that the way that you were able to survive that was the, I liked what you said, the power of prayer. So yes. can you share with us a little bit about how the power of prayer kind of helped you through that?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yes. when, When the nurse came back the first time and she said that she couldn't stay with me and that she could just give me a break, but not, you know, take away, you know, not stop the, you know, the process early because it lasted 17 minutes and 40 seconds. I knew that I couldn't keep screaming and crying out for help because no one was going to help me. I had to deal with it. I had to get through it. So I just started praying. I prayed as I, you know, fanned my face, you know, sprayed water on my face and, you know, the second time that I had the surgery, you know, or the treatment done for my face, that PDT treatment, before I went into that torture room, um, I prayed heavily. I prayed for, you know, for me to be protected against the pain. I didn't ask for it to be pain-free because that's, you know, not possible. And I need, you know, again, I don't, you know, I, I own up to what I did. So, I mean, if it's there, there's always going to be some pain involved, but I've got to be able to dig deeper than that. And so by praying about it, you know, I asked for armor, I asked to not be alone and for the pain to be tolerable, not to be so intense. And I, I mean, all my prayers were answered. I went into that room, um, the nurse stayed with me even though I didn't really ask her to, she asked me. Um, the, the pain wasn't intense. And as soon as that second treatment was done compared to the first treatment when it was over, I was bawling, I was crying, I was so ashamed. Yeah. The second time my husband was expecting the same outcome I walked out of that room, I'm smiling. I said, I survived. Hmm. (laughs) I survived Mm. and I'm, you know, it's okay. You know, that was kind of like my monster. You know what I mean? That room was, had a lot of significance to me. Sure. But, you know, persevering through it and just, you know, knowing that, you know, I was protected and that I never have to be alone. You know, I just kind of went to that inner, you know, spirituality, that inner, you know, my inner faith and I've never been disappointed.
0: Hmm. It's amazing.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's amazing.
0: One of the quotes that you use, and I don't know if this is your quote or <laughs> someone else's. Probably
1: not, but I'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's, it's, you know, your skin is an elephant. It never forgets.
1: Yes, that's a power. I think I, I just reread the book um, this morning just so that I could be fresh in my mind. And I think I quoted it three times. It is not my quote. It comes from, um, it's, it's a website. It's called Check Your Skin. And one of the um, dermatologists that did a surgery that did one of the surgeries on, um, on me on my forehead, he let me watch or he let me go to his website in the midst of, you know, going through surgery when I was waiting for the results. And he said, check out my website and watch the video and tell me what you think. I watched that video and one of the people in that video, and it's all about surviving melanoma, which is the worst type of skin cancer. And it's all these people you know, talking about their own experience. And one of the ladies says, your skin is like an elephant. It never forgets. And I was hooked. I love that quote. I've used that quote so many times when I speak. It's powerful. It's a good reminder for all of us. You know, you might think, oh, hey, one sunburn, not a big deal. Two sunburns. Oh, well, you know, it's the, you know, your skin is like, it's never going to forget. It will, you know, I mean, in my case, you know, I can only talk about myself. You know, it took decades for the for my skin to look sick with what I call it um, before I actually took action and did something about it. So that is a beautiful quote. I love that. It's powerful and yet yeah, simple and the same, at the same time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. As I'm um, here at my sister's house, uh, my brother-in-law's house today, they have uh, three daughters oh, who are teenagers nice. and they're, they're into tanning and all that stuff. And I oh, can't yeah. wait to share this interview with them and also get copies of your book for them because I just think this is so important. And to me, that's a big takeaway, which is, you know, your skin is is an elephant. It never forgets. I think that's very, very um, empowering.
1: It is. And it's, you know, it's something that I always remember. It's, and it's an easy quote to remember, you know, and that video is so that video brought me to tears. You know, I still struggle with watching that video. I've never had melanoma, um, but watching You know all of them be so strong and it's a five minute video and every time before i speak i show that video right it's a powerful you know start to hey this is what we're going to talk about it's a good lead-in um you know because i'm not there you know i always say i'm not here to scare you if you get scared that's kind of a good thing because you need to be aware it's all it's all about raising awareness for something that i don't think in schools in life you know we don't talk about a lot of subjects this is a subject I've never heard anyone else but myself talk about it. Not saying that other people don't. Yeah. But I just think it's so important. You know, so many people die from this. So many people, you know, are struggling with this. When I first was diagnosed, I felt like I was on an island all by myself. I didn't know anyone else who was going through the same struggle. So, on top of having to give up my addiction that I had since I was 10 and I was 48 years old, you know, decades of doing this, I had no support system. I don't want anyone to feel like you're alone. I don't care what your addiction is. We're all, you know, we're all united. Um, You know, I want to help other people, even if it's not a tanning addiction. It can be related to any kind of addiction, I think, in the book. It's the monster that lives within us. It's the power that we give that, um, you know, that voice in our head. You know, and I I know um, students, when they've written me letters, a lot of them have talked about that they hear that voice in their head and they're going to turn it off that's the whole thing. You know, I had the ability all along to turn that voice off myself. I, at the time I wasn't strong enough, powerful enough. Um, and I let my addiction run my life until I, until I finally, you know, stepped up and, and took control of, you know, my life for once. So,
0: yeah. And so that's interesting. So I, I noticed that you almost like personified your addiction uh, in the book, right, and I and I know yes. uh, a long time ago I read a book called uh, Rational Recovery by Jack Trimpey. and and he personified the addiction too, and and I know that kind of helped me on my own journey struggling through some of my own things. But tell us a little bit about that because what was fascinating was as I read, you know, tanning wasn't my my cup of tea, right? <laughs> I had a different vehicle to get me from point A to point B. We're all trying right. to get to point B and we're exactly. all using different vehicles to get us there. But I agree with what you just said. So wholeheartedly, because I, you everything that you wrote about, I thought you were almost inside my head, yeah. um, you know, definitely many years ago, but still to a certain extent to this day, I mean, you opened up so beautifully about everything oh, and you. I really uh, connected so much with the writing. Um, and, and, and the 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 approach you took as far as personifying it, I thought that was a really creative and a very uh, relevant and very effective way to to look at addiction.
1: No, thank you. Thank you, Sean. You know, and that's I mean, I I considered my addiction to be a friend, not a nice friend, you know, but a friend yeah. who was controlling, who told me what to do. You know, I relied on my addiction on that voice in my head like i was you know my kids or my husband um you know anywhere i went you know like i i defended my addiction with my kids you know when they would talk to me or come up to me and cry and say mom we're worried you know we don't want you to die you know i i felt like i had to defend that i know i don't want to call it a person but that addiction i mean i felt like i put my kids in their place because I had to defend it, because I was, a, I didn't want to get rid of it. Um, it was so much a part of me. You know, even when the first time when I met the dermatologist that I'm still seeing, you know, before I went into, you know, to the office, I made an agreement with my addiction because I knew she was going to try to scare me that no matter what she was going to say to me, I was never ever going to stop. I was never going to quit tanning. That's I relied on my addiction. So when I had to break free of my addiction that was so hard because it was like someone that I grew up with. It was someone that was steadfast, you know, that I could rely on. Instead of relying on people, I actually relied on my addiction more than I did people. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. it was a very unhealthy, you know, habit. It was a very unhealthy way to live. And, you know, I have people in my life right now um, who have their own addictions. And even though, you know, I've, I've defeated my addiction, you know, with the tanning, I can, I can see how, you know, I can see those same behaviors in other people. And it's not that I'm trying to judge them. It's not a judgmental thing. It comes from a place of compassion, you know, that I understand, you know, what you're feeling. And it was, you know, giving up my addiction was the hardest thing I ever did. It was like, you know, cutting off a leg or cutting off my arm. It was such a part of me. And I didn't know if I could survive without it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Is it bad that I feel that way about my smartphone?
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I actually have friends who say that they feel like their phone is like an extension of their arm that's right. or their hand. And that's you right. know, I, I think that's kind of funny. You know, I again, that's not my forte. You know, my right. phone has never been a big thing. But you're right. I mean, you know, people can have addictions to food. You know, you can have addictions to video games. You can have addictions to watching television. I've had so many students come up to me and tell me what their addiction is. You know, it's not yours, but it's, but I can understand. I can relate to your addiction to what I'm struggling with. Right. Or to what I need to look at myself and to make a decision. Do I keep going this route or do I need to choose a different path? Right. I could have stayed on that same path I was on. Hmm. You know, I could have kept going down. I mean, when I first, you know, heard, you know, my doctor asked me if I was ready and willing to die for my addiction. You know, if I was ready to die, you know, from skin cancer. I almost shut the door on her. You know, I almost just said, you know, you're not going to tell me what to do. My addiction never let me down. You know, and it's really sad that I, you know, that I felt that way. Um, But I'm just so grateful now that I can see past it, you know, and life is so much, you know, better without an addiction. It's just so much. I mean, I feel like ever since, you know, I started my treatments, I've had to, you know, I can't hide anymore. I have to face what's in front of me where when I had my addiction, I could run and hide and I could just go, you know, tan and I could go do whatever I wanted to make myself feel good. I don't have that ability anymore. I don't want to choose that ability anymore. So it's, you know, more of a wake up call, but I'm also, I appreciate things so much more now Yeah. because I'm actually living, I actually have a life and I have, you know, things that I am accomplishing and that I'm looking forward to, or before the only thing I look forward to, Sean, was getting up in the morning and tanning. I mean, that was it. That was the biggest goal of my life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You've been liberated in a sense. I I
1: have. It's like, I can see now. I can see clearly, you know, there's no more clouds. There's no more fog. You know, I mean, I still battle, you know, with, um, you know, the way I look, I, you know, it's, it's hard. It's, it's been a struggle since I stopped tanning. I use self tanners for a long time because, I haven't seen, I never really knew what the color of my skin was. You know, I was 10 years old when I started. I burned my skin so many times that, you know, to think back to what my skin actually, what I was born with, I can't, I can't even tell you my Hmm. skin is so damaged and it's just, you know, looking in the mirror and not seeing that person that the only person I have pictures of is the person when I was tanning, you know, so not to have that same, you know, I'm, it's like, I'm reidentifying myself. Um, And it's not always easy, you know. I I don't dislike myself, but it's you know it's a it's a struggle, and it's something that I either will overcome or it's just you know something that I I learn to deal with.
0: Yeah, well, like you said, you're a work in progress. We all are, I think.
1: Uh, Every single day, that's right. But you know, I I, I you know that's just something that you know I don't I don't focus on that so much. It's not like something that you know, destroys my day or, you know, something like that. But it's definitely something that, you know, I, I know a lot of, you know, younger people can relate to it's, you know, this whole, like what's on the outside versus what's on the inside. Um, you know, what do we focus on? Let's focus on the inside, you know, versus the way someone looks or clothes or, you know, like I tell kids, I go, I don't care what kind of car you drive. You probably have a better phone than me. Maybe you've got better clothes, but that see that stuff doesn't matter. That's not priceless. You know, your life is priceless what you do with your life how you help others to me that's priceless so
0: awesome awesome you know one one of the i believe and you can correct me if i'm wrong yeah. but one of the stepping stones i think that helped you along your journey and i know one of the stepping stones that has helped me with mine was getting educated
1: oh yeah
0: and you know i'm a big fan as you know of personal development personal growth i would call it self education but you made um mention of something and I can't remember what exactly it was. It was something like I couldn't do it. And I think you were referring to tanning, but like, I couldn't do this again, this behavior again, oh, yeah. because I had knowledge now.
1: Right. right? I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. It was after, um, when I was first diagnosed in October of 2011 with, you know, the pre-skin cancer i had already gone through, you know, like the PDT treatment and it was springtime because, you know, this was all during the fall and winter. And I was, okay with, you know, not indoor tanning. I was, you know, using self tanners. I was totally okay with all of that. And then spring came Well, spring, you know, is, you know, beautiful weather out, you know, that's when I would start laying outside again. And, and I just thought, you know what, I miss it. I want to do it again. What harm will it do? So I went through my same routine. You know, I have, I had an old lawn chair in the garage, pulled it out, cleaned it off, put my radio on, got my bucket of water, you know, um, got my watch up, put my bikini on, went out in the backyard, you know, on the patio. And I put a little tiny bit of sunscreen on and I laid down and le- I mean, less than 30 seconds after I laid down inside my head, I'm like, what am I doing? I can't do this. You know, it, I already have like spots all over my skin. You know, I just had two PDT treatments on my face. You know what am i doing you know I'm, I'm going back to an old habit to an old routine that didn't suit me well look what it's gotten me into and so i i just tried to let it go you know i just i was kind of fighting within myself and instead of like laying out like where you could see where i was like lay, laying front wise i just rolled over and i went on my stomach and all of a sudden i just shot up and i said you know what i can't i thought i could still tan i thought i could go back to an old friend um, that had done me wrong, honestly. Um, but I knew that I had knowledge, and i I can't do that anymore. She had, you know, given me so much information, I now couldn't turn a blind eye to what I was doing to myself and all the damage that I had done. so i I stopped. and I never, I never tanned again, and I never outdoor tanned again. But um, I talk in the book about that old chair, you know, I, I had such ties to that to that chair. it It meant, You know, it gave me really good memories. Um, And it took me three times to to let that chair go. You know, I kept saving it. I kept saving it and throwing it back in the garage, hanging it back (laughs) up, you know, because I, I I thought if I got rid of that chair, who am I? Yeah, I don't have a life without that chair. I don't have a life without tanning. I can't. Then who will I be? What will my purpose be in life? And after the third time, when I finally just said, you know what, I'm not taking it out and believe me, I was so panic-stricken, anxiety, you know, and then the garbage truck came and I didn't save it. That's when I knew I turned the corner and I was like, you know what, I'm free. That was holding me back, even though I didn't see it until I got rid of it. Um, It was holding me back to an old life that I had to be done with. I could no longer pretend.
0: Yeah, that represented so much, right? It it
1: did. It just, you know, just looking at it, I mean, it was old Mm -hmm. and dumpy. Nobody would have ever, you know, thought it had any significant meaning. But it, again, I tied so much, you know, all of my, like, you know, positive things were tied to that chair, you know, until, again, I started going through the treatments. And then I just, you know, I just couldn't do it. But, wow. Yeah, you
0: know, as one of the reasons I love books and same reason I love movies is, you know, we read and we watch autobiographically, right? So yes, I was, you know, when I read that part of your story, I I couldn't help but chuckle to myself because I've done (laughs) the same exact things with old letters from (laughs) ex-girlfriends that I've saved. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Yeah, so I mean, that was very relatable to me because in a different sense, I've been through, you know, that too. And it is such, again, a liberating feeling
1: even like someone with cigarettes, you know, it's like sure. throwing out that pack of cigarettes saying, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm done. I'm not going to do that anymore. That's right. It can, yeah. it can be like that food, like that piece of cake or, you know, anything we can all, that's a, I mean, that's a great thing I think about the book is that it's so relatable. You know, you can sit there and say, well, I, you know, I never tanned, I don't have a tanning addiction, but if you know anybody that's ever struggled with an addiction and before I speak with, with students, I always have them raise their hands. I always say, "Hey, how many of us know somebody who either has an addiction or sure. did have an addiction?" Ninety-five percent of those hands go up. Yeah. So even if they personally don't have an addiction, they know parents, uncles, aunts, cousins, relatives, you know, friends, family members, whoever that have yeah. had struggles with that. So yeah. you know, it's-
0: I, I think a very important message here is like, if you have an addiction. You don't have to quit today necessarily, right. but maybe a stepping stone in the right direction is just to learn a little bit more about it and maybe to just right. get educated a little bit more because that knowledge, you know, they say knowledge is power. And then other people That's say, well, knowledge is only potential power. It's only power if you apply it. But uh, just, right. So just because yeah, I mean, right. you could have, a lot of people, myself included, you know, you do learn about the devastating effects and the consequences and, you know, all these terrible things that could happen should you continue. But you still continue right you know the the pivotal moment is is when you made the decision to to stop the activity to stop that behavior which is not easy to do no it's scary and it's uncomfortable and you're just dealing with so much mentally emotionally but i think that's a really good message for people listening is if you're struggling with something no one's asking you to stop cold turkey today right but maybe just go on the internet, you know, read a book or two, or listen to a book if you're not a reader, but just, you know, just begin your journey of education so you can start to understand it a little better and maybe start to see some of those cues and triggers along the way that might help you to course correct, whatever exactly. it might be. Right? No,
1: that, that's great advice. I know. Um, I, I like that a lot, Sean. I know with, um, with myself, Before I leave, you know, at the very end of my presentation, I always, you know, tell students or whoever I'm speaking to, you know, if you ever find yourself with an addiction, you know, just talk to someone, you know, seek help. You know, you can, you know, I like it when people come up to me and they, you know, ask me different questions. It doesn't mean that, you know, and I've had, I've had different students um, talk to me about, I had one student say that, you know, she's tried killing herself. Um, Mm -hmm. I've had another student say that, you know, she cuts herself. You know, so she gets the whole skin thing. She gets the whole addiction thing. You know, and I, you know, I'm not there to, you know, stop anyone from, you know, doing anything. I'm not a, you know, therapist. I'm not a psychologist, you know, um, that's not my role when I go to speak. But I think by saying it out loud, you know, you kind of take away the power that's within you. Um, You know, I I just think a lot of us just, you know, like I carried it. No one, none none of my really close friends even knew that I had a problem with tanning. Hmm. When they, until they read the book, and then they've gotten back to me and they're like, "Wow, I never knew." Now these are good friends that I grew up with in high school. You know, I hung out with. I kept that secret from from most people, except from from my family, my immediate family. You know, so I because I didn't know any different, and I was, you know, I knew I had an addiction when I was in my twenties. I honestly knew that I was going to die from skin cancer. Hmm. I didn't know when, but it actually gave me great peace because I thought, hey, most people go through life and have no idea what's going to, you know, take their life from them, what's going to kill them. I do. Hmm. So at least I don't have to worry about it. I just don't know when it's going to take my life, but at least I know how. And even though that sounds really kind of distorted and it it really is, um, it did give me comfort. Um,
0: you're, you're not one of those people who likes to be in control, are you, Jonna?
1: Um, let me think <laughs> about that. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. I know that's a, that's a big part of it, too, is, you know, just, yeah. you know, having that control. And at the time, I know my, my husband had his own addiction. My My husband, back in the day when we were first dating, drank heavily. And so, you know, alcohol was a problem. Mm-hmm. And then he started smoking and he was smoking cigarettes, cigars, you know, all the time. And you know, I, I saw him with his destructive habit with his addiction. And I didn't like that he had it. I didn't like that he smoked. He would be in the garage and I'd be in the backyard on the patio, you know, laying out. And neither one of us had the courage to talk to the other person. I didn't want him to smoke. I thought his addiction was so much worse than mine because at least I'm not breathing in smoke. Yeah, I'm just getting right. canned. You know, I didn't I didn't see you right. know how I was hurting my skin, honestly. But I thought, wow, you are you know, you're smoking and all this, you know, you know it's going into your lungs and what damage it's doing, you know, how can you do that? But I was, I didn't wanna to talk to him about it because I was afraid if I talked to him about his, he would talk to me about mine. Sure. And then I would, hmm. I couldn't give it up. It was, right. There was too, too much risk involved, hmm. um, you know, to even bring it up, which is so sad. My kids would talk to us about it. You know, my kids would tell us to both stop, you know, please, we love you. My kids cried to me, you know, all the time when I was younger. And I mean, I don't mean to sound like I was cold, you know, to them, but I honestly couldn't relate to what they were saying. I just looked at them and I thought, hey, I'm not hurting you. I'm not hurting anyone. I'm just having fun. Just leave me alone. Hmm. Even through their tears, I really couldn't connect it. I couldn't, you know, empathize with them. I couldn't. You know, I couldn't stop because they wanted me to stop. Sure. I wish I could have if it was that easy. There you know, I don't think anybody would have an addiction. You know, if somebody could just say, "Hey, please stop. I love you. I want you to stop." Okay. It's not that simple. It's not that easy. You know, and, you know, I know I've had students come up to me during, you know, when I'm speaking and I remember in particular one boy in 6th grade and he raised his hand and I thought he had a question for, you know, for me and he said, He said, my dad smokes all the time. He goes, tell me how to get him to stop. Hmm. I'm afraid he's going to die. And it brought back memories to my kids telling me, you know, mom, we don't want you to die. And me just being able to look at them. And again, I say in the book that the only thing I ever said to my kids was as long as I die tan. That got that, you know, I felt like I stood up for myself and my addiction that, you know, took, you know, whatever whatever you're saying, whatever you're thinking. As long as I die tan, that's how much importance I put on tanning. It was, you know, tanning, my addiction was above my kids. You know, I put it above my marriage. I put it above, I didn't even have self-respect for myself, you know, to stop.
0: Sure. So do you have any, so that was a very powerful part of your your story in the book was, you know, because I have three young children of my own Yes. and I know you know a lot of us parents struggle with addictions and our kids unfortunately get kind of caught in the crossfire and we lose a lot of valuable precious time opportunities because we're focused on you know maybe the wrong things. so right do you have any words of wisdom or words of encouragement that you could bestow upon parents who are struggling with their addictions and probably experiencing a little guilt along the way because you know they know they are compromising their time and their attention. And, you know, so what would be your words of wisdom for them?
1: You know, I I think, especially for adults, um, you know, if you know you have a problem, you know, and I know it's so much easier, you know, to say it than to do it, but Mm -hmm. to seek help, you know, to, you know, if you go to a church, you know, maybe talk to a pastor, if you have a really good friend, talk to a friend, you know, you necessarily don't have to go you know, from like, you know, and I I detoured, you know, going to a dermatologist for as long as I possibly could. It wasn't like my first, you know, thing that I, that I did, you know, I, I, I started going to other people and saying, Hey, what's wrong with my skin that weren't dermatologists just to try to find out, you know, what was wrong with me and what I could do, um, you know, to help myself. And if this was normal, so I would say, you know, just find someone to talk to, you know, a lot of times, and what's really great is most, You know, addictions, like I've been to AA meetings, um, you know, through school, you know, going, you know, there just to learn more about, you know, what they do there. You know, I know they've got like Gamblers Anonymous, you know, there's a lot of places that you can go to, to, you know, to gain insight. Um, You know, but just don't, the biggest thing that I can say is just don't isolate yourself. That's what I did. That's where you get in trouble, Is, you know, I have no problems and I don't, you know, I didn't talk to anybody about it. So again, I hid it. It was secret. Nobody really knew, but it had so much power and control because again, I didn't own up to it. I didn't talk about it. I didn't go up and say, Hey, you know, I've got a tanning addiction. What can I do? Can you help me? I didn't seek anything. Um, I just kind of thought I'm fine with what I'm doing.
0: Sure. Yeah. There's a real real power and a real benefit to the the community. Yes. Yeah. Right? And once so, you
1: speak it, I think you take some of that power away. You know, once I yeah. was able to say, you know, I, I have an addiction and, you know, I, you know, I have skin cancer and, you know, I, I was a former tanner. Um, You know, it just, I no longer had to protect my addiction. I no longer have to live in fear. Hmm. Uh, you know, I was very fearful because, uh, you know, my, again, my addiction was such a part of me that to think of life without it, you know, I had to protect that. Sure. You know, I made sacrifices for that. You know, I stood up to other people for my addiction. You know, don't be like me. Don't, you know, don't just make it where it's, you know, something that you do secretly where, you know, it becomes, if it's controlling your life, it's a problem.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think you you maybe referenced this two or three times. I know at the end of the book you reference it, but you said like something about two magic words or two words that can change your life. Oh,
1: my goodness. Yeah. Help me. Those two simple words could have changed my life. And I had so many opportunities. I've had so many, you know, wonderful, caring people, you know, on my path that I pretty much, you know, screamed at, yelled at, slammed doors in their faces, not literally, but, um, you know, for wanting to help me. And, you know, I regret that. I mean, not that I live in regret, but that was just something that's empowering. You know, when I go talk to students, I always say, hey, you know, say the two words. I was never brave enough to say I wasn't brave. I was chicken. That's why I kept with my tanning addiction because I, I wasn't brave enough. Um, but say those two words to anybody. You can say it to a teacher, to a friend, to your parents, to, to anyone help me and you will get the help that you need. And it will start you on the path, you know, to a better life, to life, you know, hopefully addiction-free, um, with any, with any kind of a problem. Um, You know, we need to reach out, like you said, the community to friends, you need to, you know, I mean, we're all there to help each other. So it's not a sign of weakness. I know a lot of times people are like, well, if I ask for help, people are going to think I'm weak. I'm not strong. Absolutely not. Strength comes in numbers. Mm -hmm. So we need to rely on other people. We need to, you know, gain strength from other people. So.
0: Yeah. And I think there's some real uh, inner strength in the act of surrender in that sense too. It can be so liberating and so freeing and there's real strength i mean you have to have a lot of courage yes you know, that, that's not weak that's not cowardly no that is one of the most courageous things that we can do because we right. value control so much well, right? we do
1: and I, yeah. you know and that's you know and that's the thing i mean i never said those two words yeah but thank goodness i had you know like my dermatologist that i have now that she was the one who helped me, you know, I didn't go up to her and say, Hey, help me. I just said, Hey, this is the rules. This is what you're here to see. You know, nothing else. Just tell me what you can do for me. I had no idea that my life was going to be transformed that day, that my life was going to take a different direction that day. She saved my life. Wow. The day that I met her, you know, and I'll never forget it. You know, she's still my dermatologist. I tell her all the time. She's my hero. You know, um, if she wouldn't have taken action that day, she was the first person who stood up to my addiction. Hmm. No one else did. Wow! She, you know, she when she said those words, when you know that affected me. That changed my course. That you know made my head turn. I paid attention from that time forward. And you know, it's you know, it's different. You know, it's difficult. It's different. You know, it's a different life. But um, yeah, you know what? It's a life in progress. And you know, anytime that you're moving forward, it's all good. Yeah. That's it's right.
0: Yeah. So in every journey, there's a hero and a guide. So in this journey, you're the right. hero. And she has Aww. been your guide and still is, which is really neat. So, no, so let, let's talk about what you're up to now. So you uh, mentioned in the book, and you've mentioned a few times during the interview, you're, yes. you're speaking, you're talking to students. I loved in the book, when you talked about one of your friends, I don't know if you're, that was your dermatologist or another friend, but yeah. that she was really encouraging you and you, she was telling you to bring the darkness into the light. Right? Yeah. So so yeah. how are you bringing the darkness into the light today? What are you up to?
1: You know, I, I'm just continuing to, you know, try to get my message out um, with my book, with, you know, public speaking. Um, You know, anytime that, you know, I can, I considered my addiction to be my darkness and getting out of my addiction to be in the light. Um, And that's what she was encouraging me to do. She saw that I was depressed. She saw that I had no motivation, that I was so stuck in like a hole that I had dug for myself of self-pity, you know, of regret, you know, of just anger. And she just, you know, she helped, you know, she just lended me her hand. Really, and helped me out of that darkness. Um, I also have another friend of mine who just said, "Take your light and you shine." You know, like this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. That that little song. Oh, yeah. um, and He says that's kind of what you're doing. He said you're taking your light that you found. You know, from you know being rid of your addiction, and you're taking it and you're spreading it to others. Because my biggest goal, Sean, with this book, with speaking, is to have people. You know, young people. I don't care what age you are not fall into the same traps, the same pitfalls that I, you know, that I did, you know, if I can save one person's life or, you know, or just get one person to seek help or to not, you know, listen to an addiction for the first time, or, you know, to just even talk to their parents. I've had so many, you know, teachers who've come up to me afterwards and said, you know, these kids are going home and talking to their parents. It's starting conversations. Yes. With a teenager, I mean, my kids are all grown up, but with teenagers, if you get your kids to come home and be excited about something and want to talk to you about something, you begin to, you know, make a relationship. And if you get that relationship tight enough, you know, you're, you know, you're going to have that support system, which again, you know, I lacked when I was growing up. I didn't have that support system, but I'm adamant about, you know, getting my name out there, getting my message out there to help others because I felt all alone. And that was the worst place I could ever be.
0: Yeah. yeah, but I'm
1: not alone anymore. And by sharing this, you know, by sharing my story, by writing this book, by sharing my message, you know, that's you know, I just, I just don't want anyone else to have to go through what I have.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you talk about how you, you're, you, you have almost a new addiction, is how I interpreted it. But you talked <laughs> about me, you know, after the, I think maybe the first time, you oh, know, you, you yeah. talk through your your nervousness. And the yeah. courage it took to, you know, mustered up the courage you spoke in front of your first class of students. And you said, you know, I was I was hooked on the high I received from telling my story and delivering my message. And what I found amazing was it almost took me as long to read all of the letters.
1: Oh, I know. The
0: kids that you I'm so grateful you included that in the book. That, that was just amazing.
1: Aren't they beautiful?
0: No, yeah, They're incredible.
1: I mean, to be honest, I think that's the best part of the book. If you, you know, if you want the book, get the book for the letters. I mean, the book, for, I mean, the letters just are so honest and pure. Um, and I'm so grateful. But yeah, the first time that I spoke, I had never, you know, wanted to do public speaking. I wasn't, you know, didn't consider myself to be comfortable in front of a large group. But because of my passion behind the message, You know, I was prepared to just at least give it a try, even if it didn't work. Hey, at least I tried. Um, But yeah, as soon as I was done and I knew from the minute that I spoke, and again, this isn't being prideful or, you know, I'm very humble. Please know that. But, you know, that I was, you know, I had their attention that whole 45 minutes. I was hooked. I thought, you know what, this is the best high I've ever had in my life. And it was a beautiful high. You know, it wasn't like the kind that you get from smoking something or from drinking or, you know, for me, for tanning. It was just honest. It was such a beautiful, you know, place to be. I felt like on cloud nine, I felt like nothing could touch me, that I found my purpose in my life. You know, and isn't that something that we all need to find? You know, I I needed to find something that just, fulfilled me in a way that you know I know I talked about in the book and you know I talk about this with anybody is that you know I, I still like I'm empty. A lot of times, you know, like people feel empty. Hmm. And so I tried to fill it. Well what did I fill it with? Tanning, you know what I mean, just doing anything that I wanted. It was very self-serving. Well it didn't fill me. I was always empty you know so it's like it yeah. you know, kind of like you know it was like a car it was always like needed gas. I always felt empty. Hmm. Speaking about my book speaking about my story you know that fills me that's a complete you know full i mean i just there's nothing better than that knowing that you have potentially helped someone you know and that you've made a difference in someone's life you can't put a price on that that's something that's priceless that's something that you know I, i just am so grateful and honored you know that i have those letters in the book because it just you know, verifies that, you know, I mean, it would be one thing if I just talked about my story without those letters, but those letters just, you know, give it so much substance.
0: They really do. Yeah, they're beautiful. They're they beautiful. are.
1: They've they brought me to tears. I have thousands. I keep them all. They're all in my hope chest. My, mostly my hope chest is the letters because I can't, you know, every single one of them in my times of darkness, because I still have them, um, you know, I pull them out and I'm just reminded, you know, like. I might go there to help them, but at the end, they help me. So it's such a win win.
0: Yeah, you know? there's reciprocity there, isn't there? Yes,
1: yeah, exactly. Fantastic.
0: That's fantastic.
1: Exactly. Cool. Yeah. So
0: as we wrap up, this has been so much fun. So thank oh. you for investing your time here on the show today. This has been a lot of fun, Jana.
1: It, it was a great time. Thank you so much, Sean, for having me on. It was so It's always great talking to you. You
0: bet. You bet. So where where do you want the audience to go? Like where can we find you? Where can we find your book?
1: If if people want to find out more information, they can go to my website, which is tanningaddiction.com. Awesome. Yep, right there.
0: Tanningaddiction.com. Great. And yeah. if there's one message that you'd like to leave our listeners and our viewers today, what would it be?
1: You know, that's, that's a hard question to answer. But if I had to answer with just one thing, I would say especially because, you know, it's a summertime. I think it just turned summer. When was it? A couple of days ago. Um, But all year round, we need to take, you need to take care of your skin. You know, whether you're a parent, whether you're a teenager, whoever you are, um, you know, your skin is your largest organ. You need to protect your skin. You need to wear sunscreen. You know, there's so many different products out there now. I know I just bought some sun sleeves so that I can wear short sleeve shirts and then I can wear like the sun sleeve um, so that I I don't always have to wear long sleeves. And it's really, you know, it's cool. You know, it's got SPF in it. They've got SPF clothing. You know, there's so many different ways. Um, You know, all the old like sunscreens that people used to use, like the goopy ones, there's so many more different choices out there now. You know, there's one that I just bought the other day for myself and my son. And it's it's like a deodorant stick, but it's sunscreen. So, you know, so you know, because my son's like, well, I hate putting on, you know, that greasy stuff. And I said, Hey, rub it on. <laughs> yeah. Rub yeah. it on. You know, you don't even know you're you're even wearing it, but it protects your skin. You know, just protect your skin. Wear hats, wear sunglasses, wear protective clothing, sit in the shade, you know, don't lay out, don't, you know, just be careful, be careful out in the sun and you know, enjoy yeah. the summer, but just enjoy it safely.
0: Yeah. No, that's a good message. I as you know, I recently my family and I recently moved down to Dallas. Yes. It is hot. Yes. The sun yeah. <laughs> is really intense down there. We're not. Oh, I bet. And when we first got down there before I reread your book again, yeah. um, you know, we're kind of doing the face thing with the kids and trying to, you know, get it all. Over. Yeah, you know, a couple <laughs> of minutes, all three kids were good to go. And I'm yeah. in the process of reading your book. I'm like, all right, get over here. And I mean, I'm lathering every <laughs> fourth that they have. And we're doing like 15 minutes. I'm <sighs> urging my wife to read this book, you know?
1: Yeah, um, yeah.
0: So what's really neat is, because of your education and your willingness to write this book and share your story and share your message. I mean, I think, you know, there's going to be a lot of benefactors of that. Um,
1: I I certainly hope so. I I believe that too. I just, you know, I've learned so much and even, you know, for myself, you know, you would, I, I look at students and all the time or anybody, and I just say, Hey, you know what? I wear sunscreen. It's crazy because my skin is already damaged. You know, there's, I'm never going to have perfect skin again. My skin will never be healthy you know, it's damaged skin, but I still wear sunscreen. And a couple of years ago, when I went to my dermatologist, cause I see her all the time, she looked at me and she said, what are you doing differently? Hmm. And at first I thought I was doing something bad. And so I said, I don't know. I go, what? And she goes, your skin on your arms and your hands looks better. And I said, really? I go, I'm hmm. wearing sunscreen. And she said, keep doing it. Okay. Maybe. So if, if it can help me, yeah. You know, you know, it can help anyone. And, you know, again, when you compare it to, you know, the cost of surgeries, the cost of treatments, you know, you know, I know in the book, I said 35,000 while with all the other surgeries and treatments I've had, I'm probably close to 75, $85,000 for treatments, wow. not that I've had to pay, but that it's cost to do all the treatments and the creams and, you know, everything that I have to do less wow. than $10 for sunscreen. Less than $10 for sunscreen, Seventy-five, eighty-five thousand dollars $85,000 for treatments. It's a no brainer. Wow. You know, we all need to protect our skin, all skin types. You know, I mean, it doesn't matter what your skin type is. We all need to protect it. We all need to, you know, wear sunscreen. Be careful. Awesome. Have fun, but be careful.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Thank you we'll so much, thank you. thank you so much I had for a blast. the message. Yeah, me too. Thanks so much. Have an awesome week. And thanks you for being too. on the show.
1: All right. See you later. Bye, Sean.
0: All right. Sean here again. Thanks so much for joining us this week. If you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe to my podcast so you can catch future episodes. Also go ahead and give it an honest rating so you can let other people know what you thought of the show. Take care and make it a great day.